Welcome to the Olifunga Vaaitasi One Family. In this Talanoa, Tokelaun cultural advocate Helena Fuluifanga Chenfong talks about her selected Mesina, Kahua or Ba, and her life journey navigating her mixed identity in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Cool. So, Helena, could you um, tell me about yourself, your lineage, and your ancestors? Okay. <laughs> Um, so I am of Samoan, Tokelauan, Chinese and Danish descent. Um, on my mother's mother's side, I am from Amaile and Alepata, Guam Blacks for life. <laughs> and on my mother's father's side, it is by Mosul. My father's mother's side is Watsuanu'u. And my father's father's side is from Lalovaya. Um, but I'm also from the atolls in Tokelau of Nukunonu and Hakaoho. And I have a bit of Danish in me as well. So that is my Lankile side um, by way of my mother's mother's side. But yeah, that's me in, you know, several sentences. <laughs> um, my job is a youth librarian um, for Auckland Council at Te Manawa. Before that, I've done, I was a part of a lot of school soci societies in school and at university, um, and one that is really, really close to, actually, that are really close to my heart. Te Namote Lumenaki, the Tokelauan Students Association in Wellington with Victoria University and Pacific Climate Warriors, um, originally from Wellington and into Auckland. And yeah, th I guess those branches of community would be, you know, the Tokelauan community, but also with Pacific community, oh, anything to do with climate change. I'm really, that's how I kind of came into those spaces by way of those groups. Um, but before that, I was always just following my parents <laughs> and helping out with their work stuff. Um, my mother comes from education and my father also comes from commun- uh, My father is a policeman and so all of the community initiatives I was always taking, or not taking days off school, but always coming in and doing, running the waters or whatever. So yeah, I like to think it's been a part of me for a long time. Nice. Um, could you describe your chosen Messina? You gifted two Messinas. Could you describe mm -hmm. um, both of them? Oh, just so extra. So I'll start off with the smallest. <laughs> um, <coughs> my Tokelauan, oh, both of them are Messinas from Tokelau. Um, and I've chosen both these two because they represent my journey in reclaiming my Tokelauan heritage, reclaiming and really learning properly. Um, growing up in West Auckland, in Ranui and in Massey, I was always surrounded by my Samoan Ainga, and I'm so grateful that I am really, you know, grew up in this um, lens. When I moved to Wellington, I was so eager to just 
learn more because down in Wellington it really is like the unofficial Tokelau capital of the world. <laughs> There's more Turks down there back than back at home. So when I went to university I joined I joined the uni um group and then I told my nana down there who is the Tokelau you know, who has the Tokelau heritage and she was so excited. She the minute I told her I had joined the Asosi, she went and told her cousin who lives in Lower Hutt, my uncle Nico, that oh my gosh, my, my granddaughter is finally find someone finally is gr grabbing onto our Tokelauan side because they had also grown up Samoan. Um, and he she asked him to make me a pa or a kahua, which is a necklace for Tokelauan women that are made made out of the mother of pearl shells and it's <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because most most kahios or bars that you will see are kind of small and black like black is supposed to be like the more beautiful but my nana being like the big catholic lady she is she got the biggest whitest <laughs> bar for me and it's really, it's actually really heavy. Um, yeah, and I think she was so excited when she presented it to me and I put it on, I swear, she almost gungied. <laughs> I was almost crying too. It was just, it was a really special moment the first time I wore it and the first time I wore it out and performed with it and and did like Tokelan um, Huateles. Um, huh. The second Measina, um was actually a gift from her brother. So my nana's, yeah, my nana's brother, um, who had also she must have kakala to like everyone else, like, oh look at my granddaughter, she's, she's, you know, she's grabbing onto all of the resources around her, and then my uncle must have, I don't know what that conversation was, but. He ended up giving me two pieces of clothing, and it was this hoodie and this T-shirt of Tokelau. And I think he sent me this really cute text, like, "Oh, this is really something small, but good on you for leading the way for our Inga who have grown up someone." <laughs> and it, it's not like the newest thing, but I've I've treasured that since I've gotten it it's like my favorite hoodie ever and it fits perfectly too so <laughs> so I, I need to also do a lot of physical work to make sure I can still keep wearing it as well as well as the you know the mental and emotional and cultural side to things um, yeah and so that's what I've gifted to show to this project today oh. Side. Why do you think um, Pacifica people are connected to this Messina? I think it is no accident that certain items, certain customs uh, are chosen to really hold stories and the essence of Pacific identities. Um, for example, like the bar that I was given, yes, it is for women, but it's also it was also used as like a fish lure 
Well, that's what I've been told. Please don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told it was used as a fish lure. And so, not to say that women are to lure in and bring in, you know, lure in and used as bait, but it's also kind of how I kind of see it currently, and I'm open to more interpretation, is that, you know, women will always provide just by simply being, can always provide just by being. It is natural that things come to, you know, our, um, our women, you know, who bring forth life and the sustenance to provide and sustain that life. Um, and that's no mistake, that is no accident at all. There's so many other things that we tie ourselves to because those are the, we kind of weave those stories and our identities into those items or concepts or language, um, for example. Even though my hoodie is like, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, it's just a hoodie. It's got like all this cat hair and lint on it. And, <laughs> and it's not the newest hoodie at all, but it's, it's, it's like a personal, almost modern heirloom. I don't know who I'll give it to. I don't even let, because currently I don't let anyone touch it. <laughs> ah. But I guess the person who I will give it to is like maybe my child or it would be really special to me and I'll tell them like, oh, this is how I got this, so you better look after it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mencinas are, they really are labors of love. Like it took a lot of hands, like items come through lots of hands, you know, my uncle fashioning this bar, my nana gifting it to me, me, you know, ho me as the current like holder and wearer of it, and very soon I'll pr I imagine I'll have to go back and ask my uncle to, oh, can you just, well obviously say hello, but ask him to repolish it because I've touched it and used it so much. Um, yeah, and people, how people interact with it as well. Like when I wear it, uh, um, when I wear it around in public, some people have come up to me and like, "Oi, Maloni," and then they start talking to me in Papilawan, and by just like that, just by being, you've already established this connection. Like this person literally singled me out <laughs> and noticed that oh, she's a Papilawan girl. I'll go to her and say hello and ask her who her family was. And yeah, it is a way of connecting us, even, you know, on the street, <laughs> for example. And there are many other places to connect as well. So, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> all right. As a person of the Moana or a Tokelauan, Samoan, or someone of mixed heritage, what legacy would you like to leave um, your children or the next generation? I would really like to be a part of this movement or just the idea that it's okay to be born somewhere else and to be known, you know, hopefully by my grandkids, etc. and further like, oh yeah, Grandma Helena was very like, she wasn't born like this, but once she found something, you know, she ran with it and committed to it. Um, and I hope that that 
I know I'm not the first and it's not like a extraordinary like story because it happens it's a reality shared by so many of our diasporic communities but I hope that it is one that kind of just encourages you know someone who is not fully confident yet to kind of step out and claim oh I am also Tokelan or I'm I'm Samoan as well but I didn't grow up with it and kind of just be comfortable in knowing that there's always a space for you in the learning and in the journey and <laughs> in the kitchen <laughs> sometimes the kitchen is the best place to learn <laughs> and just watching from afar um, it doesn't always look the same like going to classes and committing to like you know classes outside of work life and school outside of your house is really really hard um, but there are many ways to learn and yeah I've no way is too unorthodox and no way is not the right there is no right way like I said like the kitchen is like amazing not because I'm a girl but because that's where you're just flooded by all of the culture like the back house the behind the curtains of you know your culture and your identity that's where like the real stuff happens well some of the real stuff happens but you can also find that in different other spaces as well um yeah so just do do you and be and be confident and just go for it and you'll find people along the way to help you as well um, another question that's kind of come to mind now that you've talked about what you've just said, I think um, there's some sort of pressure for people of mixed heritage to either learn one or, or find a balance to learn both so that, that they feel like they're neglecting one culture and the other. How have you sort of navigated that space with someone of mixed heritage? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I remember growing up, like as a young, as a young girl, I was always told that, oh, you're so you're so plastic, like, you're so, you're not fully, you know, this whole blood quantum, is, it's like, well, first of all, it's not my fault that I don't have all of this stuff, you know, I didn't have it growing up, not everyone from life is the same, um, but also, like, that whole concept of, of you know, purity isn't, <laughs> that was made by someone else, like, white people, just so that was made, it's not like a, it wasn't made within our community, but it was imposed on us by others. Um, but I guess the pressure around being mixed and my journey and reflection, <laughs> just coming back to the question. Um, no, it's been, I was always I grew up Samoan. I think, to be to be honest and to be fair, when I moved to Wellington, I was so excited to kind of not wash myself of Samoa, but wash myself of all of that disgusting, you know, rhetoric around. Oh, you're not. You're never going to be enough. Like, it was. It was pretty painful because it was. I never felt. 
as embraced by so many Tokelauans, oh, so many Samoans as I had been embraced by the Tokes in Wellington. It kind of, you know, maybe I'll put it down to perspective around there's a, a lot less few, there's way less of us, and so, you know, when you're backed into a corner, <laughs> it kind of makes you fight more and more survival mode. And so everyone, I'll also give, you know, the Samoans around, because there's so many of us, it does seem like, oh yeah, there should be heaps of resources, heaps of people you can ask. Um, and so for a while I was really happy to just be something other than Samoan and to be, you know, fully, have all the resources in one place, just within the reach of my fingertips. Um, moving, uh, you know, moving away from Wellington and kind of growing up a little bit more as well, realized actually you can't think like that, like, oh yeah, I'm going to just stay Pokemon a hundred percent, like, nukunori, <laughs> like, <laughs> because like, oh yeah, that's the place that loves me, but sometimes you have to put in the work and you have to compartmentalize like the negatives and the positives like I really did think that oh yeah all Samoans think like this there's a purity like uh, there's an imbalance like <laughs> complex that's the word but actually like everyone I kind of started now that I'm a little bit older I've kind of grown up to know that actually people only think like that because of what happened to them not to say like oh trauma but yeah trauma <laughs> just around you know there's only a, there's a reason why people are so passionate and so like hardcore is because probably someone was hardcore on them pushing this message of survival and survival looks different and retention language retention looks different across everything and so I've realized like, well, why not? Like still on this journey of reclaiming, um, actually, I'm not going to say that still on the journey of learning and in, yeah, always just moving forward, writing things down, asking whoever, whoever's kind of near, I kind of get, I, I feel like peop sometimes people get annoyed when I ask all these things. So. I want to do them <laughs> when I feel when I sense people are like ah, it's in this it's in that or read you should do this you should do this like you can only ask so much and rely so much on handouts that you've also got to do the work as well and so I'm in that stage of are you going to do it or not <laughs> thanks fair enough fair enough thank you um, and then the last one is, um, is there a proverb in Tukilawan or someone that, that speaks to you that, or that you want to share with us? But it was something that's always stuck with me is my former Samoan lecturer, Dr. Sadat from Wellington um, University. Oh, yeah, Univers Wellington University of Victoria. Um, um, but he explained and he broke down the term of alofa, um, the Samoan term alofa, 
I guess you could kind of also say, yeah, Tokelauan as well, because <laughs> the languages are very, very similar. Um, and so something he spoke actually at a climate rally that we held from Pacific Climate Warriors was you can split alofa into two, alo and fa. Alo referring, referring to the like, the both, the like, a pillar. And then fa meaning four. And so he said, and so you can look at it like alofa, the pillars, four pillars. And what <laughs> I think, and he said this way more graciously and amazingly and he said and what do you need to hold up a house and it's four pillars to hold up the four corners of love and so by this he said through this interpretation love is the thing that holds things together and holds groups you know what is a house it's your family, your organization, your, your, um, even like the way of being, like yourself as a vessel, whether it's of God or of service, tautua, and respect, everything must be done with love. Um, yeah, and that is what I'll leave you with. Thank you for listening. You can visit the exhibition on the 3rd of March to the end of April 2023, Monday to Friday, 9am to 6pm, and Saturday and Sunday from 10am to 5pm on Level 2 at Tamaki Pataka Corridor, the Central City Library.